Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Oh, come on, come on. As if you needed something else to fight about, then you have kids and it just gets even more fun. And I say fight because this morning, that's what we're talking about. We're continuing our Two Become One series, and we're talking about how to fight. And, and not like put on gloves and punch the other person. That's not what we are talking about, no. Um, but Beck's up here. I'd lose. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. But I can so. run away. Yeah. Yeah, so Becca's up here. She's going to help me out here, and we're going to look at how to fight. And whether you have kids or not, you can come up with something to fight about. Because here's the thing. Before we get married, opposites attract. And like before you get married, you're like, he's so laid back. It's great. You know, it's just wonderful. You get married and you're like, get off your butt and go do something. Like I could use it here. And what about here? Before marriage, like, oh, it's so wonderful. And, and they just like to buy me things. And it's, then you get married and you're like, where do you think money comes from? And what are you doing? And hold on. And where are you spending this? And and we can have things that we learn to, and, and I use the word fight, but really maybe, maybe for you it's, it's disagree, maybe it's you're not unified on, um, I don't know what you'd use to describe it, but we're going to use the word fight to describe any time that we're disagreeing or not on the same page, and we're going to talk about how to fight, because no matter what, no matter who you marry, and we hit this in the very first week, the Bible says this, those who marry will have trouble. So it's not like you married the wrong one. You're going to have disagreements. You're flat out going to have them. So if we're going to have them, how do we do it, and how can we do it really, really well? And I think we're going to start off with Amos 3.3, and this is what it says, because I think the very best way to fight is when you plan it. I'm ser yes, seriously, plan it. Here's what it is. Amos 3.3 says this, can two people walk together without agreeing on direction? And really what this is talking about is having, that, having a vision for your marriage. Have a vision for you as a couple. You know, Proverbs 20 verse 3 says, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. And when I look at this, you know, having a vision, um, which we'll flesh out a little bit more, one of the things that I think of is um, preparation. Having a vision is preparation for your marriage. And, you know, I have a daughter who is 12, and I don't know, how much does she weigh? 72 pounds? 72, 73 pounds. Now, if she runs up behind me and jumps on my back, and I don't know it, she's going to take me down. But if I pick her up in the front and I squat her, I'm going to get stronger. Now, the thing is, the weight is exactly the same. The only thing that's different is my preparation. One I'm prepared for, the other isn't. So when it comes to having a vision, um, it's preparation for our marriage. Yeah. So it was maybe eight years ago, we've been married 13, and I'm out for a run listening to a podcast because you got to double, like, do something, right? So I'm out running, I'm listening to this thing, and a guy was talking, he'd been talking to a bunch of church leaders. And in this podcast, he says, okay, now how many of you church leaders, you have a vision for your church? And of course, people are like, oh, you hear all the noises and grunts, and like, I think their hands are going up. And then he says this, and he says, okay, now how many of you have, and that's a written vision, right? And they're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, okay, how many of you have a written vision for your family? And just crickets. And I actually stopped, and I'm like, oh, I don't have that. 
Like, I do not have that. And I wasn't far from home, so I just I picked it up, kicked it up. I walked in the door, and I'm like, babe, we don't have a vision. Like, we need a vision for our family. And uh, she'd actually attended that part, and she had already heard that, and so I think she knew exactly what I was talking about. So we just sat down, and we're like, okay, what is it that we think God has for us? What is it that we have? How can we do this? And so we sat down, and yours might be different, but ours was, okay, number one is we build the church. We will build the local church. Jesus said, I will build the church. At the time, I was on, a, on staff at a church, and I'm like, I don't care where we are, what we're doing, or where paychecks are coming or not coming from, we're going to be a part of building the church, because we know that when we are, we're at the forefront of what God's doing in the world today. Like, non-negotiable, we're doing this together. And then we're like, okay, and what about kids? And we're like, well, there's a lot of things we'd like for our kids. Like, I'd love them to, to go to great colleges, professional sports, that'd be a great thing too. Um, Make a ton of money? Sure, support me in my old age. I am all for that, like, whatever. <laughs> but the number one thing, like, what we want for our kids more than anything is for them to serve God and honor Him with, his, with their lives. Like, that's the number one goal. It's not that they're popular, not, not anything else. That is our goal. And then we look and said, okay, now what is our goal? What is our vision for our marriage? And both of us are like, well, and it did not take long, but we're like, our vision, we believe what God has called us to do and part of our marriage is to be an example of what a godly marriage is supposed to be, a Christ-centered godly marriage. I'm like, well, then we just have to live that out. And it helps so much. You have a vision for what you want your kids to do. So you don't wonder, you're like, okay, and then you got to live that out. Because writing something down and walking away doesn't really help. You can write anything you want. And be like, we're going to be this awesome, this awesome, and this awesome, and walk away. But then it's going back to it and being like, okay, if, if we want our kids to be God-honoring, if we want them to be word-believing, faith-talking, armor-wearing, devil-butt-kicking children of God, then what are we doing to help them do that? And is that really what our life reflects? Or does our life reflect the fact that church isn't a priority, and sports are, or the weather's really great, so we're not going today. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I saw that. She's like... That was amazing. I, like, lifted the mic. <laughs> Just stop talking. I should have a mic at home. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah. you guys all know this already, but I'm the talker. He's not. So um, one thing that I wanted to add to that is in Second Chronicles 20, 12, it talks about our eyes being on the Lord, and it says this. It says... We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. And I love this because, yes, it's talking about war. But when we look at culture, when we look at all of the things that come up against what our vision might be, so whether it be sports, and I'm not saying that those are, I'm not saying it's evil things, but every single thing that comes up against our marriage, against our vision, the vision that God, that God gives us, really, it is an attack on, on what we've decided. And so you need to be set, set in your vision, and you need to get that vision from the Lord, right? If I just say, oh, you know what, it's Sunday, March, I don't know, what day, March 10th? Sunday, March 10th, and I just, you know, I've got a vision that I'd like to just eat cupcakes and go out to coffee. And that's, I mean, you need to get your vision from a place of substance, and that's the Word and the Lord. Having that and saying, okay, how can we do that? How can we bring that together? Something that Brecca brought up a few years later was, she says, do the kids, 
and I don't remember how she said it, but it was something along the lines, she goes, do the kids ever really see us read our Bibles? And it's not that we don't read them, but I get up and I read in the morning, and I usually read on one of these. One is because I've got a good streak going in the Bible app, and I want to keep that going, so I want to do that on here. And then the other one is, is I can mark it, and it's just really easy. But here's the thing. My kids come downstairs in the morning. They see me on the couch. They don't know that I'm reading the Bible. For all they know, I'm playing Minesweeper because those minds won't sweep themselves, right? Like, they, they don't know. He stole that from me. The that's, game? That's my joke. Oh, the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny when I say it. <laughs> But you don't, they, they don't know what I'm doing. This, she said, they don't know what we're doing. And if we want to be an example to them, because we hear this all the time, right? More is caught than taught. So you, you could finish it for me. And we're like, we want to make sure that they see us and know what it is that we're doing together. And sometimes, sure, they'd crawl up and snuggle and you read to them and they know. But we want to make sure if they're just walking through, they know, look at mom and dad have their time. They're spending their time with God. They're doing things and we just want to do that intentionally. Why? Because we have a vision for what we want. I want to put an extra little plug in for having a paper Bible um, if you have kids. Because like you said, um, the kids don't know what you're doing when you're on your phone. And um, I just realized I was hearing the kids say a lot, oh, you're on your phone a lot. And, you know, me trying to convince them, well, I'm, I'm reading the Word, doesn't really work. They know everything that's on there. And so, you know, we, we got the paper Bibles, and I've been reading that. And yesterday we had somebody just randomly stop over. And Jono, who is used to sitting me, like watching me sit at our table and read on my phone, he's like whining about that, said, you know, well, what my mom likes to do is she likes to sit here in her chair and read her Bible. And I loved that because I was doing the same thing before. But he didn't know it. And this time he put words to it, and it, and it clicked in my head. So if you have kids... Just do it. Get a paper Bible. Let them see you read it. Yeah. But have a vision. When it comes to budget, same thing. Finances, fight once or maybe once a month where you, you fight about the budget and you say, okay, well, I think we should spend here. I think we should save. And you get the save and the spend and we should do this. And, and get it down. And then if it works, like you might have to do some tweaks over the next month. So get it down and get unified about where you're going. With that, it makes it so much easier than at the end of the month being like, well, we're out of here, and there's, there's more month than money, and what happened, and what were we supposed to do this? Well, I bought this. Well, I said, well, remember what you bought this, and I thought that was okay, and not knowing. Plan the fight beforehand, because it's a lot less heated beforehand. Well, should we do this? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think this. Then afterwards, when she's like, what did you buy? And I'm like, well, um, <laughs> it was a little more expensive than I thought, and no, but plan it out beforehand so that the, when, it, when it comes, you're like, all right, here it is. And there's so much unity around that, especially if you're working towards goals financially, whatever those goals are, whether it's we want to be able to give more, and you're, so you're trying to figure out how to give, or you're paying things off and moving things up and, and moving things around. Get that, keep that vision and put it out there. It's so much better to plan those fights than to just wait and be like, well, you know, We'll fight about it later. Easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. Uh, I, I really don't think so. I think it's actually a lot easier to get on the same, whoa, I'm fast, to get on the same page beforehand. What? That's good. All right. So then we're going to keep going. And then, but then here's the deal. We're all going to fight. We're all going to have a disagreement, something that you didn't plan, something you did not foresee coming. So how do we handle that? 
How do we handle that? 1 Corinthians um, 7.28, we already talked about this, but those who marry will face many troubles, will face trouble. There's not somebody that you could have married that if you had married them, you would not have a disagreement. You know, um, many of you have probably heard the story, but there was an inventor, Norm Larson, who invented what we all know as WD-40. And WD stands for water displacement. But the 40 actually is the number of tries it took him to come up with the right formula for the water displacement um, for WD-40. And what I love about this, that he put the name in there, is he tried and tried and tried and tried again. And with us, it's not WD, it's Vanderclock marriage. So if it's VM7 or VM127, we just keep on trying. We keep putting effort into our marriage and we keep looking towards, um, towards God to say, help us get back up. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. It's the same with your marriage. You're one. So a righteous marriage is going to have blips in the road. It's going to fall seven times, but you get it back up. You keep on going. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the goal when there's disagreements is restoration. It's not right. Um, it's restoration, which means let's, let's get back on the same page. And sometimes what we want to do is we want to sit there and we want to pick apart what happened and be like, wait a second, you need to see this part right here because this was you. And really, this is the linchpin that set the whole thing off, so you need to recognize this. Like, see it? When, if instead we just say, okay, I don't like where we are. Let's not do this again. I obviously did something wrong in this. Part of this is me. Let, how, how can we get beyond this? Let's, let's get beyond this and not get into this again. Now, if it's something that you're falling into where it's like, okay, it's repetitive and it's the same thing, then you might need to stop and be like, okay, we actually have to pick this apart because we're tripping over the same thing every time and it's, it's foolish to leave it there. Most of the time, most of the time when we have disagreements, we really don't need to sit there because it was probably a fluke or somebody said something that was a little off or I misread what she said or she misread what I said and there was a misunderstanding and really restoration is what we need. And it's not to go back through and try to pick apart every little word and the way that it was said. And well, actually, that's not the way you said it. And your punctuation was actually here when you said it to me. Because the he said, she said, when we, is, is ridiculous. And she's much better at it than me. So like, I can't do that with her. It just, it just does not work. Was that just funny or did you have something you wanted to add to that? All right, absolutely. And here's what Galatians 6.1 says. It says this. It says, dear brothers, if a Christian is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help them back into the right path. And I like what it says next. Remember the next time it might be, you might be the one. It, what? Remember that next time it might be one of you who is in the wrong. And I've had that. I've had that. I'm thinking one time in particular, we're cruising down the road and we're kind of disagreeing about something. And I'm like so, I don't remember what it was. I really don't. Oh, I do. I'm sure you do. The shuttle, sure. when the shuttle takes off, does it go five, four, three, two, one, zero, take off? Or does it go five, four, three, two, one, take off? Anyways, that was the super important thing that we were discussing. Super important. And I'm like, babe, this is what it is. I don't remember which one I was. But <laughs> I really don't. But I'm like, I'm like, this is what it is. And she's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, babe, if I have to tell you again, there's something like mentally wrong with you. Like, this is what it is. I'm like so sure that this is it. I'm like riding this horse even though it's dead. Anyways, I'm like, yes, this is it. And come to find out, I am dead wrong. 
So whatever one was wrong, that's the one that I was. And then he tried convincing me that that's the one that he had said the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't work. It didn't work. And I'm like, I so thought I was smoother than that. But anyways, but we're going to have those times where we think we're in the right, but really we're wrong. Where we're so sure that we're in the right. And maybe for you it was about something a whole lot more important than when shuttles blast off. And really it was all about whether I was right or wrong about when a light would change colors and what it boiled down to, which meant absolutely nothing. Anyways, it was still fun and worth a little bit of tussle. You know, the thing is we're going to have, um, we're going to have disagreements in our marriage. We're going to have um, heated discussions, however you say it. We're going to have that. But um, I really like this. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with this love. Another scripture that you can look up, I'm not going to read it because it's another long one, but James 1, 2, two through 4 um, is another good one for that. God doesn't waste conflict if we're looking to him. He allows us to grow through that. So he allows our marriage to grow through those things if we keep a humble, if we keep a humble heart. And what we want is we want it to be easy. Again, if the goal is restoration, then we're not like a, yeah, I told you so. Like, that's right, I'm right unless we're joking about it. And then, yes, please. But really, it is. It's restoration. So it's, having, it's, it's making it easy for that other person to come back. And so really, I would say the second thing when it comes to if we are going to get into arguments or fights, I would say this. It's speak the truth in love. Be, be gentle with what you're saying. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. Like, like, literally, that is it. It's being nice. And here's what I mean is, and, and reckless words, they pierce like a sword. And here's the thing many of us forget is when we get married, something magically happens. When we say, I do, that person, we, what we give that other person is the ability to wound us like nobody else. And their words, what you say about me, yeah, she likes me. I'm okay. You might not. You might not like my pants. She likes it. She thinks they make my butt look good. Like, it's all good. Like, this is great. She's happy. But what we do is we give them the ability to wound us like no one else. And the things that you might be able to say to somebody else, you say to them or I say to her, and it just is like a knife. We can just dig and we can rip somebody apart with our words so easy so, so easy. And how we deal with other people, the power that our words have inside of that relationship, we need to be careful. Think about it and use it because the other side of that is we can build that person up so much faster and so much better and help them to see themselves as God made them to be when we use our words to build them up and to build them into who God made them to be. So speak the truth, but speak it in love and be gentle and realize there is so much power in what you say and the way that you say it. You know, the word says that it's God's kindness that draws us to repentance. So that says, you know, if somebody's in the wrong, it's, it's not condemnation yeah. that draws them to repentance. It's kindness. Yeah. And um, it also, the word also says that um, God's gentleness makes me great. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, but if God's gentleness makes me great, 
How can my gentleness affect the people around me? I want my gentleness to make Samuel great. I want my gentleness to make my kids great. Yeah. And there's, there's just things. And maybe you know exactly what it is that your wife says or your husband says that you're like, that's something that really bothers me. Make sure you communicate that. Make sure you communicate that. Um, Becca, no, what? Okay. Becca, no, is like, Whenever she says, she compares me, I love my parents. They are great. They have a great marriage. But whenever she's like, you're being like your dad or you're being like your mom, I'm just like, oh, like, I want to be so much better. Okay, they're great. I'm not saying they're horrible. Like, I don't want that. But communicate and make sure your spouse knows. If there's just something that they say that whenever they say that, you walk away crushed and maybe your face doesn't say it, but inside your heart is just in pieces, and you're like, why would they even do that? Here's the thing. They might not know that they're doing that. Maybe they do, and then don't do that. But they might not know, and you might need, might need to just say, it really hurts when you say that. Okay, now real quick, women, if your man says that, here's what's not to do. Do not say, well, you just need to not be so sensitive. Or he, you will shut him down. And you're basically saying, I don't want to know how you feel. And you cannot say, I don't want to know how you feel in one area, and then expect him to tell you how he feels in other areas. So please do not do that. He might see, you might think, like, no, he's just this big, tough, incredible, he's just this super tough thing, and nothing ever affects him. I guarantee what you say does. And if he opens up and says, hey, that hurts when you do this, try to just honor him in that and be like, oh, okay, I, I, I didn't know, or, or, and take appropriate action, whatever it might be in that, in that case. The goal is restoration. That, that is what we want. We're going to speak the truth in love. But no matter what, we're just going to make mistakes, okay? And that person might not, or they might fess up to them. But here's the thing. I think the most powerful tool that any of us have in our relationships is forgiveness. It is the most powerful tool. Forgiveness. It's the ability to just be like, I forgive you, and we're going to move on from there. You're out. Let me grab you another one. I think there's another one up here. Yep. You weren't even talking that much. I don't know. That was probably all a ploy. Samuel and Gregory had it planned out. Um, she found us out. Here's the thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't say what you did is okay. I tell this to my kids all the time, and I have to remind myself sometimes too. You know, when somebody says sorry, don't say it's okay. It's, it's not okay. You can say I forgive you, right? Um, because sometimes the things people do to us are not okay. And so we want to teach people that that's not okay, but I do forgive you. Um, Psalm 103 verse 8 and verse 10 say, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. And, and we want to apply that to everybody in our life. Even the people that are really difficult, we don't want to deal harshly with them as they might deserve. I don't want to deal harshly with Samuel as he sometimes might deserve. He doesn't want to deal harshly with me as I often deserve. 
I definitely don't want you treating me like I deserve, especially when I do weird things. So Colossians 3.13 says this. It says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Because when I say forgive, I think all of us, we have different contexts that we throw that word in and definitions that we come up with. But here's what God's word says right here. It says, forgive the same way that Christ forgave us. It says the same thing in Ephesians 4.32. But in Psalms, it really shows us what that is. This is Psalms 103, verse 12. And it says, as far as the east is from the west, that is so, so far has he removed our transgression from us. That's how Christ forgives us. And then later in Psalms, it says he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. So here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not, I forgive you right now, but next time it's convenient, I am bringing this back up. Like, you know, okay, well, I, you, you know, we spent too much over here and we, we can't be doing that. And, you know, we, we, that's why we have a budget. You know, we worked on this and we need, we need to do that. I need your help in this. And she's like, well, remember what you did? Remember that gun? Or do you remember this? You remember hunting? Remember how you bought? He's making this sound really real. <laughs> that's what it would be. That is exactly what it would be. There's so many things I'd love to buy. But that's what it would be for us. And I don't know what it would be for you, but if I make that mistake and she just brings it back up later to beat me with it. Proverbs 17, 9 says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close relationships. And I love that it doesn't say when you do something that's wrong, then, you know, um, sorry, I love prospers when a fault is forgiven. I love that it doesn't say that the fault itself is what destroys the relationship, but it's, it's not forgiving, right? The, the love prospers when there is forgiveness. So it's when, when you forgive, it's done. And when we counsel couples who are going through, um, whether it's cheating and, and, and about, about to end, something happened, he, she, we've, se- we've seen couples get through it. But here's what we tell them. The one that was cheated on, I'll say, say, okay, you're going to make a decision about whether you, you know, you have a biblical opening for divorce. God doesn't like divorce, but you can. And I mean, the Bible says this, God hates divorce. But if you choose to stay, you're making this decision. And you don't get to in three months when it's hard to say, remember what you did three months ago? Now I'm leaving. You're going to forgive. And this is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not you get to bring this back up later. And it's this way with the big things and the small things. We don't bring it back up. Remember what you spent and you forgot this and you forgot that? No. Now, and Becca's amazing at this. And here's why I said it. She also has an amazing memory. I, like I just said, we were arguing about something with the, the lights and I don't even remember what it is. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Let's move on and let's get on this. She remembers all of it. And she chooses not to bring it back up. For me, it's a little easier. Some of you, you're like, this might be really hard because you just got the habit. And you've got the ammo. You've got like, this one's really good. This one's me. This one I'm saving for later. And you're just like, this is how we do this. But it's really saying, I'm going to forgive the same way Christ forgave me, which is we don't use it against them. Christ doesn't use it against us. When we ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. He removes it as far as the east is from the west. He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness, and it is not there to be used again. Forgiveness, I wish it was a one-time decision. It's not. Anybody know that? It's not. 
You, you choose to forgive, and then you see that person, or they do something similar, or they do it again, and you're like, are you kidding me? You, you, choose, you make that decision all over again. I saw somebody yesterday, and I was like, I forgave them years ago, but I'm forgiving them again. I saw them yesterday, and I'm like, I'm praying right now. I'm just going to pray for them. That's what I do when unforgiveness pops up towards somebody. I'm like, it's time to pray. I'm going to pray for them. Devil, it's done. I'm going to walk in this, and I'm happy for them, and we're going to pray for them, and we're going to bless them. We walk in that. Forgiveness is the most powerful thing. And here's what that says to your spouse. It says that we can talk about it. We can go through it. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to go through things, and there's going to be valleys and rises, but you're going to come out on the other side of that valley, and you're like, yeah, we made that. What's next? And you keep going, and something else happens, and you're like, we're going to make it through this because we made it through that. And we're going to make it through this. And we're going to do this. We're going to do it. There's actually a scripture for that that I really like. Psalm 66, verse 12, it says, We went through fire and flood, but you brought us or you brought our marriage to a place of great abundance, right? We've gone through it. We've, we've done this before. We can do it again. And not only did we go through it, but you brought our marriage to a place of great abundance. And speak that over your marriage. Speak that over your spouse. Yeah. And then one word that I would say to take completely out of your vocabulary and just get rid of it. You're going to fight, but get rid of it, is divorce. It should not be in your vocabulary at all. It, it doesn't belong there. We made a covenant before God, so no. It's not there. I'm not going to say it. And then we're not going to practice short-term what we don't want long-term. Okay? Fondness does not make the, grow, the heart grow fonder. It doesn't. When I hear a couple separating, I'm like, what are you doing? If separating worked, then our military would have the greatest marriages ever. They don't, okay? Separation does not help. If there is physical abuse, then yes, there's a reason to separate. But take divorce out and do not practice short-term what you do not want long-term. I'm not gonna go sleep on the couch. The Bible says don't let the sun go down in your anger. We're gonna work this out we're going to sleep together, and my toes are probably going to be touching yours. Like, we're going to work it out. Don't practice short-term what you don't want long-term. Don't run off and go talk to your friends about him or about her. Don't practice short-term what you don't want long-term. If you have to just go let them have some space for a minute, that's okay, but it should not be overnight. It really shouldn't be hours. If you're needing hours and hours to cool down, you need to learn how to cool down faster. We, we can work on that. That's another series. But really, don't practice short-term what you don't want long-term. Take divorce completely out of it. If it's something that you've used to say, and I'll leave, and, and, and the words that mean it, well, I'm leaving. What do you mean you're leaving? And how long? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, don't do it. The couples that stay together, marriages that stay together, they have this magic thing where they stay together. You're going to just work it out. Work it out. Make that decision. That's what marriage was. That's what that covenant was that you made before God. You said, I'm going to treat you. We looked at it again at what the Bible said two weeks ago. Marriage is supposed to be. So this is what it's supposed to be. This is how we want to live that out in our relationships. And it's a pre-decision. I'm going to treat you this way regardless of how you treat me. It's not how good or bad you treat me that's going to make me treat you good or bad. 
No, I'm going to honor you and I'm going to lay down my life for you no matter what. Ironically enough, um, some of you may have read the book, um, The Art of War. But in The Art of War, the author describes a strategy of actually eliminating the option of retreat as the highest way to have an army succeed in battle because the only way to go is forward. They, they describe, you know, getting rid of the burning the bridges, right? Um, the only way to go is forward. And your language needs to reflect that. So um, we, and, and the thing is, we're believing not for a perfect future with this person, but for a purposed future with that vision. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've used the D word, Divorce, if you've used that before. Rewind button. What? Rewind button. Yeah. Just rewind and say, I'm sorry, I don't want to do that anymore. If it slips out in your next discussion, stop. Say, I'm sorry, I, I didn't want to do that. Um, let, let's, let's try that again. But you're, we're in this for the long haul. We are going to do it. We're not going to talk divorce. We're not going to say divorce. And again, don't practice short term. You don't run off and I'm going to go to my friends or I'm going to go spend the night over here and I'll be back. In the... Don't do it. Work it out. Get there. Get there. And if we have a vision, this is what we're going for. We're united around that vision. We're united around that. We're, we're building the church and we're building this family. We're building a legacy and here's how we want to do it. And here's where we are, are doing with our finances. And here's our vision for our kids. And we want to see them do this. And we're going back to it and we're looking at it and saying, how are we doing? Is, is the way that we're living really reflecting the values that we say we have? Or maybe sometimes we just need to look. And we just need to look. Like the secret to your future, it's in your daily routine. So take a look, say, okay, what does our daily routine actually mean? And do the things that we say we value, do they show in our daily routines? Do they show in our finances? Because don't tell me you value something that you have not put any finances into. You don't value it. It's not there. So look at these things and say, do we really value this? And we say we value family time, but are we making time for it? I say I value my spouse, but are we having regular date nights? Are we getting out? And whatever that may be, when, we, when the kids were really little, Man, we put them to bed at like 6.30. It was like, you're going to bed, and then we had the rest of the night. It wasn't going out. We were paying off the house. We had debt to get rid of. We didn't go out at all, at all. We had no spend months where she, we, she would not buy any food, like no food for a month, and we'd just eat our cupboards bare. Like we were penny-pinching, like, we, like completely. We weren't going out. So the kids would go to bed, and that would be our date night. We'd be down so like, they're all asleep. We get some time together. Is what you're doing reflecting the values that you have? Make it work and don't let something stop you. Find a way. Get creative. Creativity is really just a result of restriction. That's what it is. You can't do something, so you find a way to get done what you want to do, which we want to spend time together. Our kids go to bed early. It was just what we did. And we had friends come over and people were like, what time is it? And I'm like, you got to go because our kids are going to bed. And they're like, Really? Yes, so that we could have that time together. So if that's what we value, then, then, then make it. And maybe there's another couple or you're in a small group. If you're not in a small group, get in one around some other couples that are like, yes, we're going to have strong marriages together. And, and how do you do this? And how do you deal with this? Some of the greatest breakthroughs that we've had in our relationship were because I went to other godly men and said, hey, how do I handle this? I don't have all the answers. I, I need some. Same thing with me, but godly women. I didn't go to godly men. That would have been awkward. Yes. 
I like that. Where I go and I say, hey, how, how do I handle this? And I remember one in particular, and I'm like, hey, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. And we had just started to have kids. And I went to him and I'm like, look, this is what I'm not understanding. What, what should I be doing? And he just looked at me. He's like, do you pray for your wife? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, that's what you need to do. That's how you're going to handle this. And I go, what? And this is what he told me. He says, you're the spiritual head of your home. He says, so many guys don't realize the power that they have in prayer. He says, we're going to pray. He goes, It'll deal, it'll, it will deal with itself. And I'm like, really? He's like, yep. We're actually cruising down the road. We're on our way to go shoot bows, hunting. Well, anyways, so good things happen when I hunt spiritually. I'm just telling you, this church came. Anyways, so yeah, yeah, hunting season is coming again. So I got to start priming the pump here. So we did, and we just prayed. And he led prayer, and I prayed. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep praying this over Becca. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for her heart to be softened uh, towards me and turn more towards home. She was very, very outgoing. And when we had kids, making the transition to, to raising kids from being the super outgoing everywhere person, was it the easiest thing? No, it was incredibly hard. It took about three kids. <laughs> it, it wasn't <laughs> And by the then, the oldest could talk thing. to me, so I could be outgoing with her. It, it wasn't, and it was something that was like, okay, well, how can I help? And I don't know, and I love just being at home. I, I need my family and like, like a, a mountain, and I'm good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's great. So it was just totally different for her. So it's looking at what you're doing and saying, okay, how can we do this? Do, is what we're doing reflecting these values, and it so helps get rid of those storms. And we watch the number of times that we're disagreeing go down because we're unified in where we're going. And we're looking at it and saying, are we actually going where we want to go? Let's look at some of the things that really, the telltales of are we, the finances and where we're spending our time and where we're putting our resources and are we putting resource and time into this relationship? Because here's the thing, the most important relationship that you have is your relationship with God. And the next most important relationship that you have is your relationship with your spouse. Paul, he's talking to singles and he says, stay single, it's great. He says, because then your attention, it's great. It's undivided. It's all God. He says, but those who get married, he says, your attention is divided because you are pleasing God and you're pleasing your spouse. The marriage relationship is not just buddies that sleep together. It's God and then your spouse and then your kids. It's God, in case you missed it, then your spouse and then your kids. Your kids are going to come. Your kids are going to go. Your most important relationship that you have outside of your relationship with God is your relationship with your spouse. Be sure you are putting the time in. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.